You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, the anatomy of a sweep. We talk how the Jets outlasted the Oilers in a triple OT thriller and moved on to round two. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Take your pick, everybody. The Treeland, the Libman Extra Large, the Quickie 2 in 1 Push Broom, Basel Turbo. Ever holder, firm over pet hair removal? Any one of the best brooms in 2021, according to Google, use that to sweep the Oilers right out of the postseason. That's maybe, I mean, so many good things, obviously, to come out of the series sweep. I mean, first off, the fact that the Jets won it in game four there, not in five games, or else my pretty solid broom research would have been swept right out of the window as well as that pun so that worked out really well for everyone but maybe none more so than the fact that we no longer have to hear about the Smythe division days as well the Jets 1.0 have finally officially been avenged but man oh man I mean what a series what a finish these last two games in particular really have had a little bit of everything. And, I mean, it, it really couldn't have gone much better as a Jets fan, both in how the team was able to come back in both of those games and then grab some pretty dramatic overtime victories. And you know what? It's just crazy. Hockey is the funniest sport in the world. But this had to have been the tightest sweep I can remember in my lifetime in the NHL postseason. You have three straight overtime games. The Jets all win, of course. A monumental collapse by Edmonton in one of those. It's not all that hard to envision a scenario where this series could be 2-2 heading back to Edmonton for Game 5. Now, having said that, I, I think one thing that did bear itself out over the first four games is that, you know, despite Edmonton's star power and firepower up front on that top line... The Jets just flat out overall have a better team. And, and that was, we, we saw it happen last year, actually, against the Chicago Blackhawks, to be honest. And we saw it happen again here where, you know, when the dynamic duo can't single-handedly carry a team on their backs, 
There's just not a whole lot left there at Edmonton, and, and we'll get to this later on, but there is going to be a lot of soul-searching with that organization and potentially how to keep clearly a frustrated and upset Connor McDavid happy going into next year. But we got a lot to break down. Game four, game three, the whole series, all of it, how the Jets pulled it off, and what's to come in round two. The Jets heading into the final eight. A spot in the final four is only four more wins away, which is just, it's, it's crazy to think of because this series just got started. We'll get into all that in just a sec because I don't want to stay up till 2.30 this morning. But with all that in mind, it is playoff time in hockey, playoff time in basketball as well. So quickly, DraftKings has plenty up for grabs, including $20,000 each and every day for you guys by signing up with DraftKings using promo code THPN. Like you all know, very simple. And these are free-to-play pools, by the way, as well. So you just download the DraftKings app, go to Pools, and you click any one of the wide variety of free contests that they have for an opportunity to win some cash prizes. It's as easy as answering questions like which team hits the most threes, which team is going to score first. You don't even need to know basketball to win some free money and potentially 20K. So download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pool's page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Let's get into it here. Now, I want to do a Game 4 recap before we get into the, like I said at the top, the anatomy of a sweep. How the Jets found a way to slow down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl enough to squeak out four straight wins against the Edmonton Oilers. But Game 4 itself, I mean, there was enough drama and intrigue and storylines and moments in the first 60 minutes, let alone the next 40-some-odd minutes that came to follow there, there was enough drama to fill up an entire series. But the one thing I think that has stood out to me, especially over the last two games, but this has been the case going back a number of seasons now, and I think even the most ardent hater of the Jets would have to admit this, they are damn resilient. This is one of the most resilient teams in the entire league for all their faults, when their backs are against the wall, when they're down in games, they find a way to make things interesting and get it done. It is just beyond impressive, and they've done this for a number of seasons now. There, like, There's absolutely no quit in this team whatsoever. I know you could say that about a lot of really good teams, but I feel like the Jets take it to the extreme. I mean, you have the massive comeback, obviously, in Game 3, where Edmonton gives them just a sliver of hope and they ram it right down Edmonton's throats before Nick Ehlers has his playoff heroics later in overtime there. But even in the third period of this one, right? Like, to, to beat down in consecutive games on home ice, and to push both of those to overtime, there is a tremendous amount of fortitude that you have to have as a group, and the Winnipeg Jets have that. And to be honest, in this one in particular, they were led by the leadership group. In that third period there, I, I mean... I didn't like the idea of putting Shifley with the Connor back together, 
But let's face it, they balled out in this one. They they were tremendous, and they were really good all series long as well. But that goal in particular, I mean, my God, to tie the game up, that's a goal I want to kiss right on the mouth. You just don't get too many opportunities, especially during the playoffs, to, to really see high-end skill like that shine just because everything is so tight-checking and there's there's so much less space to work with. But to score a goal that beautiful in that big of a moment is so rare. And I don't even know what the best play of the three is. The interception and the toe drag by Blake Wheeler is, is immaculate. The no-look backhand between the legs pass by Kyle Connor is ridiculous. And then Shifley just goes hammer town onto a one-timer there. And I mean, you couldn't have walked up to the net and placed in any better. It was just an example of when that line is at their peak, offensively, they can do things that very few top lines in the NHL can do. Now, the concern, obviously, coming into this series was... How would they perform defensively? Because offensively, there wasn't, you know, a whole lot of concerns. The, the, the track record for all three of those guys is pretty impressive. But I thought they set the tone for the entire group that, you know what? What we had shown in the regular season is not who we're going to be come playoff time. So I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. I, I mean, hey, it wasn't perfect either. You know, game, game three was a bit of a tough go for that line. We, we saw Adam Lowry's line kind of get the call over them going into the third period to take over prime defending duties against McDavid and Dreisaitl. But all things considered, (laughs) and especially with where they had been in the past, I would say it was pretty damn impressive what we saw from Mark Shifley's line in that series. I mean, obviously, Blake Wheeler leads the way, being the heart and soul of the team. The shot block in one of the OTP, whatever it was, right? We all know the play that I'm talking about. Putting your body on the line, Blake Wheeler did that in a massive, massive way. The team responded to that. But I think I was most impressed by Mark Shifley in this series. And I wondered if he was going to take his game and elevate himself to another level, really back to where he was in in 2018 because of all the talks surrounding the other two dynamic superstars. And I thought he backed it up. I thought Mark Shifley looked outstanding And, you know, if the matchup is going to be what I think a lot of us think it is in round two, there's another uh, pretty big name that Mark Shifley is going to have to go up against. And we'll see if he has a bit of an encore whenever it is the Jets hit the ice in round two against either Toronto or Montreal. Now, the main reason the Winnipeg Jets are moving on and have won four straight as opposed to losing seven of nine in the regular season against Edmonton is that they were able to effectively slow down McDavid and Dreisaitl. Not eliminate completely because I don't know if anybody can do that over, you know, even four games, let alone five, six, seven. But they they limited the damage at the very least. And that was, I think, basically what everybody was hoping for because as we saw throughout the series, there is nothing for Edmonton up front outside of those two and, you know, maybe Pugliarvi and... And Nugent Hopkins showed up a little bit here or there. So how did the Winnipeg Jets do it? How were the Jets so successful in basically doing a complete 180 and finding a way to make Connor McDavid look like, I guess, just a superstar instead of a hockey immortal? First and foremost, the real recipe for success for any team up in this situation is that it has to be a five-man job. Everybody that's out there on the ice has to have an elevated sense of awareness 
to make sure that, you know what, defensively, we have to go out of our way to slow down our opposition. So the Winnipeg Jets, all series long, back pressure, outstanding. Their gap control was pretty much perfect, especially compared to what we saw during the regular season. The inside of the ice was clogged up. Not a whole lot of rush opportunities either for Connor McDavid. All those little things go back to all five people out there on the ice at the same time working together in unison because if just one of those links in the chain snaps and falls apart, everything else goes along with it and we see basically what we saw during the regular season and how Connor McDavid haunted the Jets every single time that they played. So, I mean, that was the biggest thing first and foremost. Outside of that, though, the specific matchups that we saw throughout the entire series and how that played out. For me, the biggest standout has to be 100%. Josh Morrissey has reverted back to the guy that we all thought was going to be a number one defenseman for the Winnipeg Jets. Joe Moe came to play. That was the biggest difference from the regular season to me individually than what we saw in the playoffs here. I don't know what the fancy numbers were for Josh Morrissey in this series. They may not have even been outstanding. But to me, whenever there was a play to be made defensively, Josh Morrissey was the guy to do that. Dylan DeMello was great too, don't get me wrong. And and Dylan DeMello is always going to do this in a bit of a supporting role and he's going to make a number of smaller plays that might go unnoticed but as they add up throughout the course of a game in a series they tilt things in your direction and in your favor but I thought for the first time in a long time Josh Morrissey looked like a number one defenseman I mean he looked calm poised collected I didn't see him at any point get overwhelmed with the task of trying to shut down two of the most gifted offensive players on the planet right now I thought Josh Morrissey controlled the game from the back end for Winnipeg throughout this series. Defensively, all of his reads were sharp. I thought he moved the puck extremely well, which has been a bit of a problem for him this season and in past years as well. And on top of that, major offensive contributions in the series. Of course, the most notable being the Game 3 tying goal, the toe drag, to set all the overtime heroics over the past couple of days in motion. For me, it was the best hockey of Josh Morrissey's career in that series. I know he was great with Jacob Truba in in that run in 2018, but I think when you take into account the added responsibility, trying to carry a pairing this time around, and doing it against McDavid and Dreisaitl, this is the most impressive Josh Morrissey has looked as a Winnipeg Jet for me so far. And hey, I know it's only four games and... We sometimes get caught up in these small sample sizes and things like that. But if this is the Josh Morrissey that we're getting in this playoffs and in the future to come here for Winnipeg, the long-awaited search for that high-end defenseman might just come to an end because Josh Morrissey sure as hell played like one in the past four games against Edmonton and was one of the key factors in taking out the Oilers in four straight games. The other part that we need to mention, too, when talking about slowing down McDavid Dreisaitl, Adam Lowry had himself a whale of a series, too. Andrew Kopp as well. Let's not forget him, Mason Appleton, the other you know two wingers on the line for Adam Lowry. That, that line in particular, though, 
got thrown, and in my opinion, the correct move, thrown the task of trying to shut those two down when maybe the mojo was starting to go for Edmonton in Game 3, and they answered the bell in a big way. Lowry, in particular, for me, did a lot of the the little things well. I noticed, and, and this to me has always been a key of slowing down McDavid, but inside Edmonton zone, that's where the defense actually starts. And there were numerous times that Adam Lowry did not allow Connor McDavid to pick up speed and get going the other way. That's when he becomes dangerous. Once Connor McDavid gets moving, you're basically in emergency mode. But Adam Lowry would run a little interference here or there, a little pick on the side too sometimes. These little details that can really easily be forgotten in the heat of the battle, Adam Lowry just checked off all those boxes each and every time he was out there on the ice. I mean, the line was also tremendous defensively in their own zone against that line, doing a, doing a great job of limiting their opportunities, forcing them to work so hard to try and generate any chances. Lowry, Kopp, and Appleton were outstanding in the four games, and they're probably going to be tasked if Toronto moves on with taking on the lion's share of minutes against basically as good of a line, you could make the case maybe even better, in Matthews, Marner, and Hyman if that's the matchup come round two. So that'll be something to keep an eye out for as we get ready for the second round. A few other things that deserve mentioning before we call it quits here on the episode. It really truly is Nikolai Ehlers' season. I had my doubts as to how dynamic he was going to be coming into the series in Game 3. I just wondered if he was going to be anywhere near 100% health. And you know what? He might not be, to be honest. But my God, did he ever make an impact. And you just realize how how important he really is to this Winnipeg Jets team. Right? Like the Jets grabbed two wins at Edmonton, but didn't look all that dangerous offensively. Nick Ehlers parachutes in. The second line is all over the ice. The second power play unit is as good, if not better, than the first one, right? I mean, he's just a tremendous, tremendous talent. And he was, you know, a centimeter away in Game 4 from scoring both overtime goals on basically the exact same play for the Winnipeg Jets. Just great to see that he was able to come in six weeks off, no action, not a whole lot of practice time either. And he's basically the same Nikolai Ehlers that had his major, major breakout season Obviously super promising heading into the second round as well. The other name, and I feel like it's gotten kind of lost here with the heroics of, you know, the players that I mentioned. And we'll get to the coaching staff too in just a second. But man, did Connor Hellebuck just have the quietest 950 save percentage series of all time? It just feels like that's completely swept under the rug here. I know the defense was vastly improved in front of him, but Connor Hellebuck looked like a wall in a bunch of these games. And if he's just good instead of outstanding or amazing, the series is 2-2. And (laughs) all of a sudden, things are getting pretty hairy. So I feel like Connor Hellebuck is once again being a little bit underrated out there. I don't know if the rest of the Jets fan base is, is feeling the same way, but he definitely deserves a ton of love. And hey, no errors with the puck on his stick. That This is about as perfect of a series as it could get for Connor Hellebuck. So again, let's not forget that, you know, Vesna quality goaltending is a rarity and should be cherished 
if you have it. And the Winnipeg Jets and, and Connor Hellebuck certainly showed everybody that, yeah, we got it here in the bag. One last thing here that I want to mention before I go. And you know what? It honestly reminded me of one of my favorite movies of all time, Happy Gilmore, and a scene where Happy's talking to Chubbs Peterson. And I got I to gotta eat a bit of crow here. And I got to basically act like Happy Gilmore to Chubbs. So to Paul Maurice and the coaching staff in Winnipeg, I'm stupid. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. You're all very good looking. I'm not very attractive. Let's face it. No matter how you feel about Paul Maurice and the coaching staff here in Winnipeg, they pulled off all the right moves in this series. They made all the right adjustments. I don't think there's a whole lot, if anything, you can criticize. And I know there was a lot to criticize in the regular season. But I think that was a pretty flawless performance by Paul Maurice in this one against a team that I thought victimized him a ton during the regular season. I mean, you can go right down the checklist. Shifley Wheeler Connor. Was that a mistake? Uh Uh-uh. I mean, those three played as well as they have in a long, long time. So let's give Paul Maurice the credit for that one. And you know what? Even on top of that, when they weren't playing at their best, we saw Paul Maurice make, you know, maybe the key move of the series, switching the Adam Lowry line, you know, almost exclusively, but a lot more so up against McDavid and Dreisaitl. And that really turned the tide of everything. So I I just think up front, Paul Maurice really did a masterful job of picking and choosing how his lines would go up against Edmonton. And there's no doubt in my mind he deserves a ton of credit for that. On the blue line, I know DeMello Morrissey was, you know, a lot of people's choice to see that get put back together as the top pairing. But he did it finally, right? Like Paul Maurice finally went to it and it paid off in a huge way. That duo was outstanding, like we touched on earlier in the episode. And Josh Morrissey playing his best hockey of the year, no doubt about it. We saw the third pairing, too, of of Logan Stanley and Tucker Pullman play really, really good hockey for Winnipeg. And that's the second consecutive strong postseason, by the way, for Tucker Pullman in a third pairing role. So, you know, hopefully this puts that to bed, that Tucker Pullman is a really good third pairing defenseman. And should be played like that moving forward here. But some really good work by Paul Maurice in terms of reconfiguring his blue line to get ready for the test that was the Edmonton Oilers. The power play. I mean, there were some tweaks here and there with the main unit. We saw Blake Wheeler move over to the half wall as opposed to below the goal line like we saw earlier this season. But maybe my favorite move that entire series when it came to the special teams was... They weren't afraid whatsoever to put Nikolai Ehlers and that second power play unit out there either first on the power play or get some extended time because they were as dangerous or even more dangerous than the Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler unit. So even on the special team side of the debate, I thought Paul Maurice had himself a really, really good series as well. And most importantly, everything when you take into account that Paul Maurice did His biggest contribution in that series was the new double, triple, quadruple fist pump, Selly, which is going to go down into the GIF Hall of Fame for Paul Maurice, but this time for all the right reasons. So I know a lot of people in this town 
get on Paul Maurice for a bunch of his decisions, sometimes in the right, sometimes in the wrong. And hey, I am certainly one of those critics of a number of moves that have been made this past season in particular. But I think it's important too that we kind of acknowledge when Paul Maurice gets it right. And I thought in this series, he got a lot right. So I have no problem eating some crow there and giving Paul Maurice a ton of credit for, in my opinion, out-coaching Dave Tippett in this series. I thought that was going to be in favor of Edmonton going into the matchup, but Paul Maurice came to play, in a sense, and certainly put the Winnipeg Jets in the right position to succeed. And, you know, nobody would have predicted this, I don't think, but now he's got the Jets off to the second round in four games. How about that? And that's pretty much where we're going to leave this one. I mean, we don't know what the second round matchup is going to be just yet. By the time we're back for Friday's episode, I mean, we might know. We'll have a clearer sense for sure if Toronto has a stranglehold on their series against the Canadian. I think everyone is pretty much anticipating at this point it's going to be Winnipeg-Toronto. I hope so because to me that is by far the most intriguing matchup even though it presents the most difficulties for the Winnipeg Jets, that is going to be just a hell of a matchup to watch. And we'll get into this once we have it, you know, cemented in certainty. But I really do think the Winnipeg Jets, despite being underdogs in that matchup, are going to give the Maple Leafs all they could handle. But that's a problem for future us to worry about. In the meantime, let's just enjoy the sweep, enjoy the victory. And let's get some rest before things ramp back up for round two. So that's going to do it for the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening again. Like I mentioned, we're back on Friday. We'll get into the latest in the North Division. The latest on the Winnipeg Jets as well as what's going on between the Maple Leafs and Canadian. And, and who knows, maybe we'll get our first official second round preview against the Winnipeg Jets and their opponent. Plus, we got another food interview coming your way. It's sure to be a beauty, so you don't want to miss that heading into the weekend. Again, though, thanks for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Good vibes for the rest of the week, everybody. Peace.